Welcome to another episode of Through Thick and Thin. I'm Joe, your host, coming to you from the 603, repping the mean streets of the Granite State, where the leaves have turned and they're already on the ground. We have an unbelievable show for you today. Two NCAA basketball stars, one of them suffers a near-fatal stroke. This tests their relationship, but in the end, they triumph. And he has written a book called Becoming the Light. This is an inspirational story on navigating the waters after a stroke. Thanks for coming along for the ride. Here we go. Hi, I'm Ty. And I'm Rachel. And we're from Hillsborough, New Jersey. Welcome, Ty. Welcome, Rachel. Hillsborough, New Jersey. Whereabouts is that? Um, it's in, it's in Central, Central Jersey. Jersey. I'll let her explain because it's her her hometown or home state. <laughs> yeah, it's in Central Jersey, um, Somerset County. So we're about an hour from New York, an hour from the Jersey Shore, about an hour and a half from Philly. So pretty local to some popular places around here. Sounds centrally located. And Ty, you're saying that this isn't your home state. Where are you from originally? So I'm from, I'm originally from Philadelphia. Um, and I ventured to New Jersey for college and then I met Rachel and I've been here ever since. Excellent. And how does New Jersey compare to Philadelphia? Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Um, it's, as far as the speed goes, Philadelphia is, is faster paced, in my opinion. Um, but uh, New Jersey is, is very quiet. It's, for me, it's a nice escape from Philadelphia. That's great. And did you meet in college? Uh, yes, we met at college. We both went to Fairleigh Dickinson, and we both played uh, in uh, Florham Park, New Jersey, because yeah, they have two campuses. So we went to the Florham Park uh, and both played basketball there, and that's how we met. No kidding. So I have two ballers on the line. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, so just to explain to those that don't follow basketball um, on the podcast, baller means that they play basketball. That's great. So you both played for um, Fairleigh Dickinson. Great school, by the way. Um I, and how many years did you play? All four years? I played all four years, yeah. At Fairleigh. And I went there for I went there for two years. Good for you. Well, again, welcome to our podcast tonight. Appreciate having you here. And um Ty, something happened to you um along the way. Um what brings you here to the show tonight? What happened? Um so Two years ago on June 5th, June 5th of 2019, I had a hemorrhagic brainstem stroke, um, which really debilitated me for about three months. Um, so I, I uh, it was ironic. We were at, at, at campus, on campus, uh, taking our engagement photos and uh, just had a lot of uh, serious symptoms that day. I had been experiencing symptoms for probably a few weeks prior and uh just kind of brushed them off uh as fatigue and um the day we were taking our engagement photos uh my my uh my vision kind of got blurry and my balance i was just very disoriented with my balance uh and and uh felt a lot, very off balance um and i had drooping uh, of the right side of my face and um, progressively throughout the day, then I lost, uh, like the sensation on the left side of my body. Oh my goodness. So you were there for your engagement photos. Congratulations on that. That is pretty remarkable. And I can't wait to hear the rest of that story in a few minutes. Um, but before that, you know, you, you weren't feeling well, had you ever felt like that before in your lifetime? Nah, that was the worst I probably ever felt in my life. Um, as, as far as health wise, um, as I mentioned, I was an athlete, so I always usually felt pretty good outside of maybe your typical sinus cold. Um, but uh, I knew something was wrong. Uh, something was seriously wrong. And when it 
you know, and even Rachel had, hadn't seen me to that point before. So when I was concerned that something was wrong, um, I knew that, uh, you know, it was something very, very wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rachel, what were your thoughts? What was going on that day in your mind? Um, it was pretty scary, like Ty said. Um, I had never seen him like that before, and he was explaining, you know, in the weeks prior that he was um, feeling his symptoms, but they weren't visible at the time. And I feel like we both kind of just shrugged it off because as athletes, we're taught to you know, just play through the pain and fight through it. So, you know, hearing it is one thing, but then after those few weeks, it started to become visible. Um, and that day that we had our engagement shoot, um, he came home from getting his hair cut and his face was drooping. And that's when I really got nervous because I knew that that wasn't normal. And so you, you did have some pictures taken, I assume. Yes, yes we actually... <laughs> We made it through the whole photo shoot. Uh, I don't know how, when I look back at it, uh, I don't know how I did it, but we made it through the whole photo shoot and have a whole album of photos. Well, it was probably like, you know, you you just hurt your knee playing a basketball game and it was overtime and there's no way you were going to sit on the sidelines, right? Yeah, yeah. It was for for me, I I had looked forward to that day for so long that in my mind I wasn't going to let anything kind of you know, dampen the day. So I just kind of did what I was, like Rachel explained, I just did what I was taught to just push through and, um, you know, quote unquote, be be tough. And um, in my mind, you know, I was just looking forward to the engagement photo. So I didn't think, you know, really anything of it, um, not, not being there or not showing up or canceling. Yeah, well, that, that's scary. What ended up um, happening to you that day, Ty? Um, so after we completed the shoot, um, I got really, you know, nervous when I tried to do an outfit change and I really couldn't change my clothes as normal. I couldn't keep my balance. So um, I told Rachel that I wanted to go home and, and rest and get something to eat and get some rest and then if i woke up and i felt the same way that i would then go to the hospital um, and then and what? Then, um so then we got home she went to go pick up some food i maybe took a bite or two and i went to sleep um and then i had a dream um where uh for spiritual everyone spiritual that god came to me and asked me did i trust him and I said, yes. And he said, okay, well, we have to go. And I tapped, I woke up, I woke up immediately and tapped Rachel and said uh, that we need to go to the hospital. And fortunately, we lived uh, 15 min- about 15 minutes from one. And Rachel, what was going through your mind at that time? Um, so when we got home, like Ty said, he really didn't eat that much, which was kind of a red flag um and then that night I remember I didn't even fall asleep I was just up um because I guess a part of me you know was kind of conscious of what was going on and then I think it was like two in the morning he rolled over and said okay we have to go and I said okay and we got up and we drove to the hospital I feel like at that point I still wasn't I knew something was going on but I still wasn't thinking that it was going to be as serious as it was. I can imagine it was probably pretty surreal at that point. Yeah. And Taya, do you ever had you ever had a premonition like that before? Uh no, I never had a premonition like anything like that before. Um, so that's why, you know, um, I took it as serious as I did because nothing like that had ever happened to me before. Yeah, I think when you get called out like that you know it's for real and you better get going yeah yeah for sure (laughs) and so um you went to the hospital from there and had you already had your stroke at that point or did it happen at the hospital so i would say like if i when i look back at it it was a a a progression uh like a slow leak um per se like it wasn't 
because my stroke happened in the brainstem, so the 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 um symptoms weren't they they gradually came on stronger and stronger. So uh, it was essentially what you would say is like a slow leak, uh, blood slowly slowly leaked onto my brain. Um, so it was a progression of, as Rachel was saying, I, I complained f uh, for a few weeks for symptoms. So it happened over the span of time. And then that day, it just really was uh, the typical symptoms that you would see um, when you think of a left hemisphere, or right hemisphere stroke. Mm -hmm. And from there, what were what were the next few days like for you? Were you um, in the ER? Were you um in the icu what happened next um so i was i was admitted immediately um and i was instantly taken for a cat scan and a chest x-ray um and originally they thought that i had a mass on my brain um and then they did an mri which then showed i was i had a what's called a, a cavernous malformation which is an abnormal cluster of blood vessels um and we were, my family was already kind of familiar with, with that or was familiar with that because my brother also had the same, my younger brother had the same, has the same malformation. Um, so for me, the next, I was out of the house for, I was in the hospital for a month. Um, so the next week I was in uh, what was called the TCU um, unit. And then I was um, discharged and sent to an acute uh, rehab facility where I was there for three weeks. For three weeks. And um, tell me a little bit about your rehab. Ah, uh, man. Uh, rehab was pretty, it was pretty intense. Um, you know, it was, I went from uh, playing basketball the week prior to this to I couldn't get out of bed on my own. I couldn't stand up. I couldn't turn my head. I couldn't I could barely move my eyes. It felt like I was essentially like a newborn at 29. Um, so my schedule when I was in the facility, it was um, through four hours of therapy. So one hour of physical therapy, one hour of speech, one hour of occupational. And then in the afternoon, I had a half an hour of physical and occupational to round out my day. So it was... Um, I had that five days a week, um, and it was pretty pretty intense. Did you have to relearn how to do everything again? Oh yeah, I had to relearn how to how to walk, how to eat. Um, for about you know, in the beginning, it was it was kind of weird because in the beginning I could do the kind of the things on my own, operate my fork. Uh, but so it seemed like I was fine. Then there was a decline, um, as you know, my brain tried to heal because I couldn't do a lot of the things and I actually ate with like a bib on um, or Rachel or my mom helped me eat, brush my teeth, put on my socks, shower, you know, all I had to relearn essentially everything. And Rachel, um, prior to the, the injury and all this happening, what was your relationship like with Ty? Why don't you... Walk me back a little bit from maybe the, the first time you met him. What was that like? Um, it was amazing. Um, I had just gotten out of another kind of rough relationship. So to go from one extreme to another, um, it was really nice. It was a breath of fresh air. Um, it just came at the perfect time. Um, I definitely wasn't looking for anyone, but they say that when you're not looking, that's when you meet the perfect person, and I feel that's exactly what happened. Um, he, you know, has helped me grow up, and he was able to watch me grow up. Um, we started dating. I was only 19. Um, I, I had just turned 19. We were 18 when we met. Um, so, yeah, he definitely, you know, helped me grow up and he's watched me grow up and he's just helped me through so many things. That's great. And you dated for several years and then got engaged. Yeah, we dated for four years. Um, and then he ended up proposing at FDU to kind of bring it all back home since that's where we met. 
were you were you expecting that? No, I, I knew the proposal was coming sooner than later, but I wasn't expecting it that day specifically. So it was a big surprise, and there was probably no doubt in your mind that a yes was on its way. Yeah. <laughs> so you already had a really solid relationship. What kind of a strain did Ty's stroke have on that? Um, well, it definitely made us stronger. It made our bond stronger because, you know, going through something traumatic like that, it just shows, shows you that not every day is promised and things could be going seemingly perfect and then it can be taken away from you within hours. Um, so it definitely made us stronger. Um, and I think it just prepared us for, you know, our wedding, our vows, because the stroke was only a few months before our wedding. So we were in, you know, the prime time, last minute planning and getting everything ready for the wedding. And then that happened. So it was like the final test before we got married. So June of 2019, you were getting your pictures taken for your engagement and, uh, then two months later, you were getting married. And in between that, Ty had a stroke. What were those two months like? Um, it was just a lot of like moving pieces. Um, it was, you know, helping him recover from that. Um, we were getting ready to move into our first place. So it was a lot of, you know, signing paperwork and getting the lease ready and getting furniture and things like that. Um, and again, it was the last minute stuff for the wedding. We still had to go food tasting and pick out our cake. Um, so those two months, it was very busy. Like I said, it was a lot of movement. Um, it was obviously a happy time because we were getting ready to get married, but it was also you know, a challenging time because of everything that was going on with him. And Ty, during those two months, right before your actual wedding, how much of your function did you had you gained back by that point? Um, I really regained everything. I would say that I needed um, to feel comfortable for the wedding. I think the only thing that I really couldn't, I developed double vision and I couldn't really write because I had a tremor in my left arm. But, um, you know, a month before the wedding, I was actually, when I look at the, my videos in my journal, I was actually running and jumping um, prior to, to the wedding. So I felt in pretty good shape. More so for me, it was cognitive and mental than, than physical at that point. Yeah, it sounds like you had a very well prepared body for this type of event if there is such a such a thing because i'm sure it took its toll on both your mind and body but your body was was ready for the fight yeah yeah my body i would say the doctors always said being an athlete um you know was very was on my side uh you know because my 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 athletic mind kind of or you know the muscles just kicked in and so it was just me really trusting myself and uh, trusting my body and, and feeling comfortable because after you go through something like that, I kind of felt like a shell of myself for, for a little bit. Um, so it affected me mentally. Yeah, and that must have been maybe even a greater challenge than anything you had ever seen because in basketball, you're constantly training mostly the body and developing that muscle memory. Uh, and of course, you have to train the brain on the plays and everything else. But this type of a tragic event, um, there's there's probably nothing that can prepare you for that mentally. No, I don't. I don't know if there's anything that can prepare you for for anything like that mentally, especially all all the moving parts. Because is not only do you think that you have to survive, but it's so many people that are looking at you, looking you know, to you that, that you need, or you feel that you need to be there for. So it, it was, you know, you can't prepare, you know, your mind for, uh, any, I don't think you can prepare your mind for anything, anything like that. 
um, you know, and I, I wasn't prepared, but I just knew what was at stake um, by not attacking recovery the way that I did. And Rachel, during that span where Ty was recovering, what was the most difficult thing for you? Um, I think one of the hardest things, um, like Ty said a few minutes ago, there was kind of a decline um, when we got to the hospital. You know, he, he was able to walk in and things were obviously shaky, but they weren't as bad as how things got. Um, after a few days in the hospital, like he said, he couldn't walk anymore. Um, basic things like showering and eating. Um, he really couldn't do that without help. Um, he, you know, his vision was really off. It got to a point um, he couldn't, like, turn his, he couldn't move his eyes um, to a certain point anymore. So that was definitely scary to watch because um, you think, you know, you go to the hospital and they're going to help you get better. But he got to the hospital and things started to get worse. Um, so that was definitely hard to watch. Um, it was definitely a relief um, once he got to therapy and things, you know, started getting a little better. Um, that was challenging. And then I would also say, you know, not knowing how far the therapy would go. Um, with, you know, injuries like this, you don't know what the recovery is going to be like. It's going to be different for everybody. Um, and luckily, he was blessed to, you know, have almost a full recovery. Um, but at the time, you know, we, of course, didn't know that. So that was definitely a scary thought, too, was, you know, thinking, is he going to be able to walk normal again or talk normal again or, you know, do anything remotely normal again? And were the doctors optimistic or were they playing the typical doctor card saying, we just don't know what will happen to Ty? Um, from what I remember, um, they were definitely playing the doctor card. <clears throat> um, a lot of them, you know, pushed operating, um, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I don't really remember much optimism. It was definitely, you know, we're just keeping it real. And Ty, did you have an operation? No, I didn't have an operation. Um, I know when we first... So to touch on that really quick, um, I felt that, you know, they looked at me. I was I was the rare case. I, I I seen a lot of like shock on their face and different phases of my recovery, almost like, um, you know, it was they played doctor. But then to see you, you look at a chart and you expect to see something based on that chart. And I look nothing like what my chart would what my chart would describe, I guess, to them. So everywhere I went, I was considered higher functioning, but a lot of it got to a point where um, it was a lot of talk of operating on the, the malformation uh, because it was said to either it was either going to shrink uh, back to normal uh, and I needed to get what's called gamma, gamma knife radiation to scar it so it didn't bleed again or um, have a full removal. Um, which would probably have left more deficits than uh, what I went into the hospital with. And then, um, and my thought was I, I didn't want to go through that again after making a full recovery and then to be cut on to have to go through deficits again uh, or it was do nothing. And, um, you know, I got a second opinion from my neurologist and she said because of my age and my athletic background that, you know, the best option would be to slow roll the thought of surgery and let my body do what it does best. Well, good for you for getting that second opinion. It sounds like you really exceeded any expectations that your first set of doctors had. And it stresses the importance of getting a second opinion, no matter what happens to you in life, if it's a accident or, you know, some sort of a of a uh, medical diagnosis to at least have another person, another set of eyes look at it. And boy, it sounds like that, that neurologist or neurosurgeon really, really did an amazing job. 
Yeah, so I I expected uh neuro so the first doctor that was recommending surgery was a neurosurgeon. So I would expect, you know, to hear about surgery as as the the fix. But uh my neurologist, she's really great and I'm very fond of her. Um and she uh really just understood that I wanted to take a more holistic approach to my recovery. Um I really don't take any medicine. Uh the only medicine that I really had to take was uh, a, a, a steroid that in my IV at the hospital to reduce the swelling on my brain. Um, so I've been pretty much medicine free, except I tried a nerve pain medicine, which kind of had me depressed for a few days. But then I stopped taking that and went back to a whole fully holistic approach. Yeah, those uh, nerve pain medicines can they can be good when they work but when they don't work it's uh could be a nightmare for some yeah it for me it was more of it was a nightmare every time i took it i just got sad and i couldn't even explain it um you know rachel could see a difference in my you know in my demeanor and usually because i would say what drove my recovery is i was just so positive um i wouldn't let any negative thoughts into my mind in recovery you know, I mean, I may have gotten a little attitude here and there with the with the therapist when I was tired, but um, I didn't let any negative thoughts into my mind um, in recovery, uh, you know, because I feel it was very important to strengthen my mind. And that's what kind of drove uh, me to get to where where I am. Good for you. And so two months after that day, when you were getting your pictures taken, you had a very special celebration. Who wants to tell me about your wedding? Um, I'll start. It was about, I would say it was three months after. Um, you know, it was for, for me, that was that, that day was circled on my calendar, my mental calendar, you know, the whole recovery. That was, it was good that the wedding was still happening because that was my why for, you know, one of my biggest whys. Um, for, you know, working as hard as I did. I knew that I didn't want to walk down the aisle with a cane or a walker or, uh, or in a wheelchair for that, for that matter. I wanted to walk down the aisle on my own power. So I knew that I had to get up every day and do the work, um, in order to recover so that I can, you know, again, if I wasn't going to miss our engagement photos, I definitely didn't want to uh, reschedule the wedding. God bless. Congratulations. Good for you, Ty. Uh, thank you. Um, so for me, that, you know, that was when that day came, it was, you know, uh, it was, I remember that day in slow motion where most people say that the day flies by. I remember getting up. I had, uh, you usually don't have McDonald's, but I had McDonald's for <laughs> breakfast just because we, we were on the move. Um, we were, we were going. And, uh, once we got up, I remember hanging out with my, uh, my groomsmen. My brother was my best man. And, you know, I had, um, you know, my best friend, some of my closest friends up there with me. Um, and it was a day, you know, I got up, I needed to mentally prepare because I hadn't, I, I hadn't been, the center of attention in front of that many people in so long. I'm used to it on a basketball court, but that day I had to, you know, kind of mentally prepare to be the center of attention so that, um, you know, no negative thoughts crept into my mind. And, you know, it was just a blissful day, day for me. I'll let Rachel tell her side, but, you know, just from start to finish, that day was just such a joy for me. It's me again. I know you're dying to hear more from Ty and Rachel, but first I'd like to tell you a little bit more about this podcast. You will never hear a commercial. Instead, we rely on the value for value model to keep us going. This means that we rely on our listeners to donate money. Even if you're only getting five or ten dollars of value, please donate. It helps pay for production costs and for the artwork, we'd love to hear your feedback too. If the show is helping you, we want to know. And if you have ideas for future episodes, please let us know by sending an email to joe at avira.com. 
That's J-O-E at A-V-E-E-R-A dot com. And now back to Ty and Rachel. Yeah, me too. Um, it was just a beautiful day. Um, weddings, you know, alone, marriage is just a beautiful, special, sacred thing. Um, but when you add, you know, getting married after such a traumatic experience, it just makes the day so much better. Um, cause we were just happy that, you know, the day was able to happen to begin with. Um, so it was definitely a beautiful day. Um, it definitely flew by for me. I don't know about Ty, but it definitely went by quick for me. Um, I remember everything very clearly from that day, but it was just such a great and fun day that it definitely flew by. Um, by the end of the night, I was wishing that we had more time. But you made it to the finish line, and that's the most important thing. Yes. Yes. So that was that must have been right around September of 2019. Does that sound about right? Yes, the exact day was September 27th of 2019. So you just celebrated your two-year anniversary not that long ago. Right. Yep. Yep. Congratulations to both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, when one has a traumatic experience, whether it's an accident or a medical diagnosis, or in this case, you know, having a, a stroke. I've talked to so many people, Ty and Rachel, that it really, really tugged and tore at their relationship. And the vast majority of people out there have had it ruin their relationship to the point where, you know, the relationship ended. And that's probably 85%, according to some stats that I've seen. What do you think it is about your relationship that has had this event strengthen your relationship? What do you think you've done to make that happen? Um, I would say um, our relationship is like a, a great balance. Like we're extreme opposites when it, when it comes to things. So I feel like we're a perfect yin and yang. Um, so in areas you know it's it's always fun we're always we communicate well for one and <clears throat> excuse me we're always looking for we're we're always challenging each other to be the best versions of ourselves so just as she said i helped her grow she's helped me grow in the same regards because you know i was just a young you know i was a young adult when we first met and now you know i'm i'm 32 so she got to watch me grow as well. And she kind of, you know, helped spark the mindset that I have now because I was able to dream big because it wasn't just just for myself. So I think, you know, the biggest thing is, is to communicate no matter how, how tough it is. Um, we, we communicate well and we keep the spark and fun, fun alive. We don't st we I I don't think we've ever stopped like dating, even though we're, we're married. We still have date nights and you know, um, just try to find new things to do. And how about you, Rachel? Um, yeah, for me, leaving was never an option. I know Ty has had some people ask him, you know, if I ever thought about leaving and it never crossed my mind. Um, I, I don't know. I just feel like that's, I, I know that major accidents and things like that can be really traumatic but to just leave that to me is just kind of foul um we were together for so long and you know again we were planning our wedding of course and we already had those vows you know in our minds you know for in sickness and in health for better for worse um so for me you know those vows even though we weren't married yet when the stroke happened but we were already living by those vows because we had been together for so long and you know we were pretty much married without being married yet and you know we we had plans for the future and we had goals that we wanted to meet and stuff like that so we were just so established already as a couple that like i said i just never even i never would have considered leaving just for that reason 
Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. Um, a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of significant others or spouses look at things a lot differently. And sounds like you have a very positive outlook on life. And just touching upon, Ty, your comment about being the best version of yourself. I don't know if you've ever read or heard of uh, Coach John Wooden, if that name rings a bell. Yeah, it does. Okay. <laughs> it sounds like you took a page right out of his book about you know, not worrying about the competition, what they're doing, just coming to practice every day and being the best version of yourself every day. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's what I live by, honestly. You know, I don't look at anybody else as, as competition. It's, I, and my, my thing is control the controllable. So I can control my attitude, my effort, and, and what I bring to the table and, you know, and my thing is just to be the best version of myself every day. The only person that I look to be better than is the person that I was yesterday. So um, when when you live like that or by that, it makes things a lot easier in my mind. Yeah, it certainly does. It gives you a much better outlook on life. And you had mentioned during rehab you never let any negative thoughts enter your mind. Um, is it still like that today? Um, yeah, I try to protect my mind as, as much as possible um, because, you know, that's where, for me at least, that's where, where the battle is. As my mind goes, that's where my body goes. So if I feel negative negativity creeping into my mind, my body feels it. And, you know, I feel like I, I might backtrack a little bit um, which is probably why Rachel said I, I haven't, you know, I may almost made a full recovery. So I feel like I'm right there. Um, and I really just have to, you know, protect my mind in order to, to continue as I think positively, um, I can achieve the things that, you know, if I go into a task with a negative mind, nine times out of 10, it's, if it's hard, I won't get it done. But if I go into that same task, the next day with a positive mindset, usually I can get it done because it is just a difference of, of the mind. And, um, you know, to have a support uh, like Rachel, who's taking on like learning mindfulness and, and different things to help me, um, you know, be better. And, you know, that that's what makes it, you know, great and makes me aware that I have to protect my mind as she she's really embodied, you know, studying uh, mindfulness and it, it helps me um, as well. So in her educating herself, it helps me. So, um, I, yes, to this day, I still try to protect my mind as best as I can. That's great. And I think I'm probably going to botch this, but there's something called neuroplasticity where you can train your brain to heal mm -hmm. your body. And that's sort of the theory and concept behind that. And it's so true. You know, in your case, your strong body was healing your brain when you went through uh, the stroke. And for many people, you know, they try to have their brain through positive thinking, heal their body if something has happened to their body. Um, I remember back when I was in rehab, it wasn't that long ago, but when I was there, we had a big poster right on the door that said positive energy zone. And we wouldn't let anyone into the room who was thinking negative thoughts. And that goes a long way in helping you recover and also helping you with your relationships if both parties are positive. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, that is pretty much the embodiment of neuro neuroplasticity um, is the brain creating new pathways, um, you know, and you can essentially retrain your brain. Um, and you, for me, it's about you know, my body now follows my mind. And so the the biggest thing for me is, is feeding my mind positive thoughts, you know, whether it's through laughter, positive quotes, or I just try to say as positive as possible. And I'm always, typically you'll see me smiling or laughing or, you know, for, for the most part. Um, and that, that takes me a long way, I feel. Well, you're an inspiration to many people, Ty, for the positive attitude and all that you've been through. Are you seeing any effects from the stroke today? Are you back out on the basketball court playing hoop? 
Um, I'm still, I still have effects. Uh, for me, cool effects are, are minimal. Uh, like I said, is the mind. I'm just getting comfortable back with my body and the confidence back to, to run and, um, going through vision therapy to correct double vision. Um, so I can get back on the court and, uh, I'll be doing vestibular therapy for, for balance. So I, I give myself about, I always say my goal is to be ready for my alumni day uh, basketball game. Uh, but I give myself about another year. I would say I'm at about 90%, but I don't try to rush this process. And I would say, you know, I give myself about another, another year just to slow roll it, but I can play for fun, but I can't play. I don't feel comfortable playing competitively yet. But you'll get there someday, right? Yeah, I, I feel I'm right there. It's just a little bit more work that I have to do. Um, and I feel I'll, I'll be right there. You know, I, I take a look at it where most people think that, I, hey, I'm two years out. I should be way further than I am. I feel that I'm way further than I thought I would be to be two years out. So um, I just take my time now and I just, you know, just take the enjoyment of life. I was just telling Rachel, you know, to me, life is about having fun. So the more fun that I have, I feel the better my healing goes. And then I'll be back on the court in no time. Good for you. And Rachel, for you, um, what advice do you give to other people uh, who significant other does have this type of a life changing event um, to the to the person who does not go through that? What advice do you give to them? Um, definitely just to be there for that person, be strong for them. Um, I know when I was going through it, um, when we first got the news, I definitely broke down in front of Ty, but after that, um, if I had any moments, I would make sure that it wasn't in front of him. Um, just, you know, to keep him positive and motivated. Um, but yeah, definitely just to stick by them help them out. Uh, it's obviously going to be very trying for them. Um, so yeah, just be there for them, motivate them, help them in what er whatever areas they need. Um, whatever they need from you, try your best to give it. Um, but don't forget about yourself either. And Ty could talk more about that. Um, but yeah, you know, you obviously have to take care of yourself as well because it's going to be trying for both of you but um you know when you're in a partnership in a relationship you you go through things together so you might not be going through it physically but you'll definitely be going through it uh, mentally together so just be there for each other um and you'll get through it that's sound advice and i think the last place anyone wants to be is turning themselves into a full-time caregiver because that's just asking way too much of a significant other. Yeah, yeah. I would say um, it definitely is a lot to ask of your significant other to be uh, a consistent caregiver. And that's why I, a reason why I battled so hard to be get my independence back is because Rachel did a lot. She took me, you know, she still had to work. Come, come, uh, you know, see me in the, the rehab facility or take me to appointments. And, you know, this is one of the reasons I battled to get my independence back so much is because I didn't want that strain on her or her to lose herself, um, you know, in this situation because, you know, she's a few years younger than me. Uh, so, you know, I always encourage her to do the things that she like and she likes. And, um, you know, when you're a caregiver, what I see is sometimes a lot of caregivers forget to take care of themselves, which can then cause that resentment and that drive apart. Um, and you have to build a team in order to do that. So Rachel had my mom to lean on a lot to help her, you know, through, uh, being, being my caregiver, you know, um, she, she, she'll be my caregiver for life. Um, as I do, like, to me, this is a life, lifelong recovery, but I feel I do a good job at trying to make it as easy as possible. And building your team is also a very important thing. A lot of people that you can trust and lean on, uh, when you need a break, 
Um, and that that was important for for me because I didn't want her to have that burnout that people might experience. Well said, because too many people do. Uh, it's great that you had and continue to have a really good support system where there are people that are that are always there for you. And for from both of you, what advice would you give to a couple who is just going through this now? Let's say they just experienced this a week ago and here they are, you know, they're in the hospital still and you can give them advice on on anything, the rehab, the the injury, the um, building or repairing of a relationship, if it requires that? Um, for me, I would say, you know, of course, communication is the biggest thing. I always let Rachel know how I'm feeling, whether it's happy, whether it's sad. You know, I try to articulate it in a way just to let her know, hey, today I'm having a rough day. Um, and I think that allows, you know, you let that person in because you have to understand that you both are going through some things and you have to, I, I know for me, um, I had to let, you know, Rachel, I was ready to talk about it sooner than, than Rachel was. So you kind of have to meet each other where you are. So Rachel wasn't ready to talk about, like, talk about things for a little bit longer than, than I was. So I kind of had to kind of you know let her process and you have to be aware of each other um you know as much as you're going through this physically you know your spouse is going through this mentally with you as well um so it's it's really trying to show up for each other um and and just communicating with each other that's the best advice that that i can offer and i would say obviously you have to be positive um throughout the whole thing. It'll be hard, but you guys will get through it. So for sure, stay positive. Um, and then I would also say, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, we had a lot of different people who helped us out. Um, family, friends. Um, so yeah, definitely don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, you will need it sooner or later. Um, like Ty said, if it's just the one caregiver um, doing all of the work, they're gonna get tired and experience burnout. Um, so yeah, just make sure you ask for help when you need it. Well, we have, and go ahead, Ty. I was gonna say, and don't, and you know, do your, do your research, you know, the doctors, as my experience, we always looked up everything, you know, the doctors were saying they would come in and we would talk about it, look things up and see if that was the right thing for me or not. So, you know, do your research and advocate for yourself as well, um, you know, and educate yourself through through this experience. That is, that's great advice. And I think overall, your advice is spot on. Our number one goal for this show is to help just one couple who is struggling with their relationship after this type of a life-changing event and your advice is sage it's really positive it's really easy to digest and i think that many people are going to be thankful for you willing to help them and ty i understand that in addition to you being extremely positive and goal-oriented you have also done something quite remarkable and you've written a book. Uh, yeah, I, um, I just finished my, my first book um, called Becoming a Light for those, those exact reasons, like you said, um, just helping one person. I remember laying in my hospital bed and telling my mom that I wanted to inspire. I was watching uh, a ESPN short clip of a, of a, a, a veteran who uh, was impacted, had a brain injury from a landmine accident. So I watched that and his story inspired me. And I thought that I'll just, you know, I, in my mind, I just wanted to inspire, um, you know, one person uh, that would have done it for me. And as I shared my story uh, through social media and with people, I got questions about my recovery that it, it got kind of hard to answer everybody individually. So I figured, Hey, if I can put it into a book, 
um, that'll be able to help more people than I can, you know, physically answer via social media. That's wonderful. And has the book been published? Is it out? The book, the book is out. Uh, the book, um, so the book is called Becoming the Light, Navigating Darkness After a Stroke. <clears throat> it is available um, on, I have a website. Uh, it's my, my name, TamikeHawkins.com. Um, <clears throat> and it is published and uh, the, the book is available for, for pre-order. Um, pre-orders will be closing on October 31st and we'll just be moving into regular orders where the book will be available through my website, uh, .com. Um You can also text uh, the word LIGHT, L-I-G-H-T, to uh, the number 313131, and it'll take you to the website and the link as well. Um, and uh, then after November, after, you know, it'll be available through Amazon, and I'll be working on the audio book as well to be on Audible. Good for you. Congratulations. That is a, a huge accomplishment, stroke or no stroke, just to have a book written and want to inspire other people is awesome. It really is. Uh, thank you. And just a couple, if you would mind taking a maybe a minute or two just to give the rundown on the book without giving all the details because a lot of us want to read it. The book is um, essentially just a longer version of this this interview um because i touch on so many different things that we my recovery uh and the the experience the dream the the recovery the wedding and caring for you know the the caregiver uh so for me it's just a very big extension of, of this this podcast episode that that we've done um and it's just really a in-depth version into my my mind where i get very vulnerable about the experience that, that really is incredible. And I think for anyone going through this type of a, you know, this is why we started the podcast, somebody going through a traumatic event and trying to be able to see the light, you know, at the end of that tunnel, because for some, all they see is darkness when they look down that tunnel. But for some of us, we have been lucky and we've been able to see that light and it has really helped us in our recovery and with our relationships. So I would encourage anyone listening to check out Ty's book. And I am forever grateful, Ty and Rachel from New Jersey, for being on the program tonight. God bless. And hopefully we'll have you back again at some point in the future. Oh, thanks for having having us. Thank, um, thank you. And oh, anytime we can help, we're here to help. So we'll be back anytime you need us. There we have it. Another episode on the interwebs. Thank you, Ty and Rachel. Your story is inspirational. And we hope we can help people who are trying to navigate the waters post-stroke, spinal cord injury, traumatic brain injury, or other medical diagnosis. We will see you in a couple weeks when we drop another episode and look forward to hearing from you in the meantime.